Hello everyone, I'm Shannon Steves and I own Sweet and Sassy Boutique, Custom and Coaching. And I'm here with Nicole Hootemer. Did I say that right? Uh, it's Hootmer, but you say it like everybody else does. <laughs> Hootmer. And I was just talking to her about having her on over a year ago in May. She was my fifth podcast and just how things have changed so much so quickly and how she just kept relying on her faith, having a ton of patience, and just knowing in God's timing, the right kiddo and kiddos will be arriving. So I'll let you take it away. And her little Brooklyn, right? Yes. Brooklyn is in the background. So you'll hear hear her, um, which is awesome. You're going to hear real life of just motherhood and now just trying trying to do these stages of life. So take it away and tell us a bit about the process. Uh, well, first I want to say thank you for having me on again. Um, I know you asked me quite a while ago, but we were still in the process of finalizing her adoption. And so legally, whatever, um, kind of had to wait until now. But now I can say that she is officially, finally adopted fully. And that's super, super, super exciting. Um, yeah, uh, I don't really, I should have listened to our last podcast before <laughs> coming on today, but I did not. Um, so I'm not exactly sure where I left off other than I know we were still waiting. Um, if that was in May, then we would have been approved in February. So we would have been about halfway through our wait. I had no idea at the time. Um, with adoption, it's usually a, a two or three year wait. And for us, it was only five months. So I will rewind and go back to kind of more the beginning of the adoption side of it. Um, my husband and I have, well, I have fertility issues that we discovered shortly after we got married, um, just trying naturally and nothing was working and then going to fertility clinics and finding a diagnosis. And we had to decide from there if we wanted to pursue fertility, uh, fertility treatments or, um, find another way of growing our family. And, uh, we had a, a situation come up within Jason's family of a little boy who, sorry, you will hear her throughout. <laughs> um, a little boy who, uh, who his, his mom had suddenly passed away and his father was not in the picture and he was being taken care of by his grandparents, which are distant relatives of my husband. And they asked if we would be interested in adopting him. And so that kind of opened the door for us to the world of adoption and, um, we explored that option. We really did want to, but things fell through and it just didn't work out. Um, it was for his, his benefit that it didn't work out. I'm sure it was hard for us, but, um, so then we spent a, a little bit of time grieving the fact that that didn't work out, but then we both knew in our hearts that adoption was, was what was right for us. So then we had to discover which adoption agency or through the government we wanted to go because there are four options in Alberta. You can either go through Child Family Services, which is the government, um, which are children who have been apprehended and placed in foster care um, uh, and are now available for adoption because their parental rights had been terminated. Or there are three different private adoption agencies in the province of Alberta. Small Miracles Adoption, Ameris Adoption, and Adoption Options. Um, 
we kind of looked into CFS, but with our experience with the other little guy, we we really didn't feel like that was where we needed to be. It just didn't feel right for our circumstances. So then we were looking into the other adoption agencies. Um, first, we contacted Ameris, Ameris because they are the Christian adoption agency. Um, but they are a much smaller agency, so they like to keep their wait list short. Um, so in order to do that, they kind of have like a pre-wait list for the wait list. So it's not, I mean, they can say that their wait list is short, but technically it's not really that short. It's mm-hmm. the same. It's just split up into two wait lists. Yeah. Um, so we got on their initial wait list and then we were speaking to, um, one of the pastors at the church we were attending at the time and he and his wife had adopted, um, through adoption options. And he said, well, like, there's no wait list to get on their wait list. And as a Christian adoptive couple, um, if you go through Ameris, all of the other couples on the list are Christian adoptive couples. And so there's more, quote unquote, competition on that list Mm -hmm. for birth moms that are looking for Christian adoptive couples. Whereas if you go through the larger agency with no wait list to get on their wait list, there's probably going to be a lot less Christian adoptive couples on that list Mm -hmm. because they service more of like everybody. So there would be LGBTQ couples. There would be, yeah, from all different walks of life and faiths and religions and religions and creeds and atheists and and the whole Mm -hmm. melting pot of people. Um, so if there's a birth mom that's going through that agency that is looking for a Christian adoptive couple, your chances of being placed would be higher. And I thought, oh, that's a good point. I don't know. Never really thought of that. So um, that week I contacted Adoption Options and began the process with them. Um, And I never did anything about the adoption, like Ameris Adoption Mm -hmm. Agency. I just left it where it was and didn't even think about it. And then just as we were getting into the pre-adoptive seminar, which is a mandatory seminar that they educate you about adoption in Alberta and open adoption and all of that wonderful stuff. Um, Just as we were getting into that seminar, Ameris contacted me and said, oh, hey, you guys are at the top of our first wait list. Like, you can send in your stuff to be on our other wait list. And so I did some research and I discovered that actually you can be on two different agencies wait lists at the same time. Mm -hmm. However, you would have to pay the fees for both agencies, which Mm -hmm. would essentially double the cost of adoption and adoption. Private adoption in Alberta is around $15,000, no matter which agency you go through. Like there's Mm -hmm. a, there's slight differences in the agencies, but not much. So there's a huge difference between about 15000 and about 30000 So we kind of talked about it and said, like, no, we'll, we'll just drop our application with Ameris and we'll just go with adoption options. So that's what we decided to do. We did the seminar in September, um, handed in all of our huge stack of paperwork that covers and, and everything. Not this, and not this past September, the September before, right? Right, yeah, September yeah. 2019. Yeah, 2019. Thank you. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Uh, so two Septembers ago, okay. I guess. Yeah. Um, so handed in our stack of paperwork that covers everything from police fingerprints to child intervention checks to um, histories about ourselves, financial statements, um, 
uh, questionnaires about um, childhood up until now for mm-hmm. both my husband and I. Um, it's very, very, very extensive amount of paperwork to get through. Mm-hmm. And I heard they even so asked about, pull- like, this was for through someone else, but, like, about your sex life and, like, they, oh, yeah. they like, ask everything. everything. You just feel like you're, like, stripped naked of your info. Basically, and, mm-hmm. like, lucky for myself, I'm not a super private person, so that wasn't difficult for me. Mm-hmm. Um, Jason's a little bit more private, but he's like, if this is worth it. Like, yeah. obviously, if, we, if this is what we have to do, then this is what we're going to do. And he did fine. Um, but anyways, handed in our huge stack of paperwork, and then we had home study visits um, with a caseworker. And that's where she goes through this huge stack of paperwork and then just kind of flushes it out and talks about everything. Everything we filled out. And, like, if she has any questions about any of it, she clarifies with us and... Anyways, it's a very long process. It's about 12 to 14 hours of interviews Mm. on top of that stack of paperwork. And in February, it was approved and done. So from September to February was that whole process. February, we were done. We were approved. We were on the wait list. Um, What that means is that there are about generally around 120 couples on their wait list at any given time. And birth moms who go to the agency um, also fill out questionnaires. And if their questionnaires and our questionnaires match up, then the adoption agency will give them this profile that we've created. This And um, included in the profile is pictures of our house, pictures of us, um, little stories about us, um, who we are, why we're adopting, all of that. Um, so they will hand... And, and a, Dear Birth Mom letter, which is mm-hmm. um, basically, yeah, just introducing who we are and what our hopes and dreams are for our future family and how we would include her in our future plans. Mm-hmm. And so if, if everything matches up, the adoption agency will give her a stack, probably around five of those, to go through of different families. If she doesn't find anything that she likes in that stack, then she can go back and get more. And essentially she could go through the entire list of 120-ish couples mm-hmm. if she wanted to, mm-hmm. um, to find her perfect match for this baby that she's either carrying or has just given birth to. Um, our profile was shown in March to a birth mom who had given birth. So she was in the hospital and going through these profiles. That's actually quite common you would think that with adoption birth moms would be going earlier in their pregnancies but generally they don't they wait until probably about halfway two-thirds of the way through and then they do all of their paperwork and whatnot and so by the time you would be matched with a birth mom it's either within a month of giving of them giving birth or like right after they've given birth Mm -hmm. um so anyways, we, we were matched with this birth mom who was in the hospital, had given birth to a beautiful baby girl, and she was going through profiles, and um, she got it down to two profiles, ours and another couple's, and she decided to go with the other couple because they had been waiting on the list for five years, and we had only been on the list for one month. Hmm. Um, but we didn't know about it at the time at all. Like, the hmm. agency didn't call us or anything. We had no idea. If, if that situation had gone through, it would have been called an instant placement where, yeah, we would have gotten a call and they would have said, hey, you've been matched, the baby's born, come to whatever hospital and, and pick up your baby. Mm. 
Um, but that's not exactly what happened with us, and that's okay. Um, in July, we got what is called a consult call, which is where birth mom hasn't matched with you. Birth, birth mom's situation is um, slightly more complicating than what you put down on paper you were open to. And so the adoption agency will be like, this is what you said you were open to, and this is her situation and how it's a little bit more complex or a little bit outside of your comfort zone. What do you think? Are you comfortable with this situation? If yes, then we will show your profile to her. And if no, then she just won't see your profile and we'll move on and whatever. Um, so we were, we were given this very complex situation with our daughter. I can't really go into details about what was all complex about it, but really anything you can think of that would be complex about an adoption, an open adoption was a part of her story. Um, she was a month from being due and so we had a couple of days to talk about it and then get back to the agency and let them know. Jason and I talked about it for all of 10 minutes mm -hmm. and both of us felt very strongly that yes, yes, absolutely. We want our profile to be shown. Um, if for whatever reason it didn't work out, then that was God's plan and that's okay. And that there would be another baby for us in the future at some point. Um, and if, if, this baby was to come into our home, it was because it was God's plan and he would give us everything we needed to overcome all of the complexities of her case. Mm -hmm. um, so we called up the agency that same day and said, yes, we're a go. And our social worker was like, whoa, are you sure? And we're like, yeah, we're, we're hundred percent sure. Like we are a go. And so she was like, okay, thank you for getting back to me. And I will, I will pass your profile along to this birth mom and I'll let you know when we know. Um, so then that same day we, we went and spoke to my parents and kind of gave them some of the details of the case and said like, Hey, this is what's going on. We would really like some specific prayer about it. We can't tell everybody what's going on, but we can, we can tell you. And my parents had watched us walk through this whole infertility journey, this whole failed adoption of Jason's family member, um, going through the process of getting on the list, everything. And they were cautiously optimistic, but heavy on the cautious side, mm -hmm. which really hurt my heart because I really wanted people to just be excited mm -hmm. and not worry about the possibility of negativity. But that was really hard, obviously, for my parents because I'm their daughter and they don't want to see me hurt. Mm -hmm. And they could see that I was so excited and the complexities of the case really scared them. Mm -hmm. So... My dad, especially, he, he, he was not excited when we mm. shared the news. And so I remember leaving their house just in tears. Mm. It was like, oh, like we, we were potentially becoming parents in less than a month. And my family's not even excited about it after seven and a half years. Um, I needed to give that to God and mm. I needed to pray about it. And I needed to just let that be okay, that and I needed to understand that it wasn't because my dad didn't want to be excited. It was just that he didn't want to see his little girl hurt, mm -hmm. which I didn't understand at the time. But now that I have a little girl, mm -hmm. <laughs> I totally understood. Yeah. Um, so anyways, we went through the whole month of July waiting. Um, halfway through the month, we went on vacation with my family that had been booked 
like a year in advance. And now I can see that that was God's perfect timing for this vacation that I desperately needed that I didn't know I needed Mm -hmm. um, to spend time with my family and just to spend a lot of time praying and reading my Bible and getting to a place where I was okay if this birth mom did not choose us. Um, My sister was also pregnant at the time, which was an added layer of difficulty for me to watch my younger sister pregnant with her first baby would be my parents first grandchild and I wanted so desperately to give my parents that first grandchild mostly out of pride I think Mm -hmm. I don't know why does it matter so much but it did yeah which is understandable (laughs) Um, right like yeah yeah like she's three years younger than me I had been married years longer than her so it was kind of like oh like that's not fair this is what I wanted so terribly badly why are you allowing her to have a baby first like Mm -hmm. and not understanding God's plan so that was that was a hard layer on top of it for that family vacation but I was also able to enjoy it Mm -hmm. um God gave me the grace to extend to my sister my poor sister Mm -hmm. (laughs) she didn't have to be in that situation um yeah, she felt she felt bad for me. And she also wanted us to have a baby before her because she wanted everybody to be excited about her baby. Mm-hmm. And it was hard for her to see her older sister not excited mm. or not not 100% excited. Like, yeah. I was excited, but... Um, so anyways, we had that vacation. And then a week and a half after that vacation, we got the call that this birth mom had chosen us. Mm-hmm. And, um, I remember Jason was working out of time, uh, out of the, out of town at the time. Sorry. And, um, I had this feeling, this, this very strong feeling that we were going to get a phone call and that we were going to be chosen. And I couldn't explain it. Like it was just this, it was extremely, like, I was sure I was a hundred percent sure. And so I was like, you know what, he's out of town tonight, but I feel like that phone call is coming today. And I feel like I need to be with him when this phone call comes. So I drove out to be with him in his hotel room in Fernie. And, um, I remember he was playing video games and I was having a nap, just willing time to go by quickly because I was like, this phone call's coming, but I, I can't just sit here and twiddle my thumbs. Like time goes so slow. So I I actually had a nap and I did fall asleep and I remember waking up to the phone ringing and I knew before I even opened Mm -hmm. my eyes, I knew it was the adoption agency and I looked over and I looked at the caller ID and sure enough, it was um, like a blocked call, which is how they always come up from Mm -hmm. the adoption agency. And I looked over at Jason and he looked at me and Mm -hmm. I had told him that I had this strong feeling, but he wasn't like hundred percent convinced he was like yeah sure whatever so he looked at me and he was just like jaw to the floor yeah. and I answered this call and it was our social worker and she's like hey are you sitting down mm-hmm. I was like actually I'm still laying down I just woke up from a nap <laughs> and she's like, perfect um just so you know you've been chosen you're gonna be a mom mm-hmm. and I was like what <laughs> and I just remember like my whole body went numb and it was a good thing I was laying down because if I was standing up, I would have fallen over. Like it was just this amazing, even though I, I knew in my heart it was going to happen. Just hearing the words was just incredible. I'm crying with you. Oh, like I got chills (laughs) so much. That's so Uh, amazing. So yeah, we sat there and she, she kind of talked about, um, what the next steps would be. I don't remember what she said much after that. Um, honestly I was just still like in shock and awe and 
this this dream that I've had for so long was finally coming true. Mm-hmm. Um, so we got off the phone with her and called my family, and I cried some more, and I, I got to tell my grandparents who were visiting from BC, um, sitting on my mom's patio, so my mom's parents, got to tell them, and, and everybody was crying. Like, it was just mm-hmm. amazing, the timing of everything. Um, and then... Uh, the next day, we set up a, a match meeting with this birth mom. So she was still pregnant. Um, she was due August 5th, and this phone call came to us on July 29th, 30th. I can't exactly remember the day. But anyways, the social worker wanted us to meet with her before she gave birth, which was great. So the next day, we planned to go up to Calgary for supper after Jason was off work. Um I remember the next day I had to go to a friend's house all day because I was just so excited I couldn't sit at home. Mm-hmm. I just needed to be busy. Um, so I went and visited a friend, a really close friend of mine who is also an adoptee. And so she could just be so excited with me and be like, oh, I feel like I'm kind of watching like how my parents felt just before I was born. Like, this is mm-hmm. so cool. So we had that day together. And then that evening we went up to Calgary and we went to Staten, Maine for dinner. And we got there first, and we're sitting in this booth, and I remember just looking at Jason being like, this is bizarre. Like, how do you sit down with someone you've never met before um, and have a conversation about this child that you're going to have together Mm -hmm. soon? (laughs) And then she's just going to place this baby in your arms, and everything will be happily ever after. Like, how do you have that conversation? It was... I, I never even imagined being in a situation like that. So we sat there, nervous, excited. And then our social worker walked in with this birth mom. And I remember feeling immediately like we were best friends. Mm. Like I just looked at her and I was like, oh, she's like a best friend. I didn't know I had. Mm. Um, And we sat down and dinner was great. She was hilarious. We clicked right away. She loved Jason and I. We loved her. Talked about all kinds of things like where we want to send her to school and what kind of, yeah. What did we want for her future? And we just kind of dreamed about this little child together. Mm. And then, um, at the end of it, she's like, well, my doctor said that, um, I'm almost due and he's, he want, and I want a C-section. So whenever I would like to have that C-section, I can just go to the hospital and have it. So when would you like, our baby to be born and I was like what Mm. (laughs) like I'm expecting this baby to be born you know sometime in the next week two maybe three weeks right if she goes overdue I don't know and uh, she's like when when would you like I was like well we're in Calgary now and we did pack overnight bags just in case so tomorrow and she's like yeah absolutely we'll have a baby tomorrow (laughs) I never knew this yeah um so then she had brought along this little stuffy that um she has like a family of stuffies for herself and her she has another daughter and then for this baby and so she handed me this stuffy and she said you know here here you can hang on to this overnight and then tomorrow we'll trade and i'll get my stuffy back and you can have your baby Mm. and i just thought that was so cool Uh, and it was just this precious little dinosaur thing I don't even know what it was exactly Mm. but um it was so cool to for her to just extend that to me it was something that was like super special to her 
and then to say like and tomorrow you can have your baby was just mind blowing mm-hmm. um so yeah we we left that dinner and we went to our hotel room and I barely slept yeah I was gonna say probably couldn't sleep <laughs> Um, I assumed that the next morning we would be going to the hospital right away because she said that she had to go eight hours without eating before she went for her C-section, which made sense to me. So I figured, you know, you go to sleep and wake up in the morning and it had been over eight hours and we would go and we would have this baby. But we didn't hear anything from her that morning until around 1130, which I thought was kind of strange. And then she messaged me and she's like, I got hungry, so I ate. So it's going to be another eight hours at least. (laughs) And my heart sank. And I was just kind of like, this doesn't make sense. Like, why? I I don't understand. And then I didn't hear anything from her at all for the rest of the afternoon. Like, I was texting her and, like, no response at all. And the social worker had totally just left it up to us because the following day was a Saturday. So technically she wasn't working. She's like, I'm here if you need me. Like, phone calls or texts or whatever. But you guys are going to go to the hospital and you're going to do this thing without me. Like, mm-hmm. Have at her. Yeah. And I'm like, this is crazy. Um, so yeah, we didn't hear from her all afternoon. And the whole afternoon, I just kept looking at Jason and I'd be like, of course. Of course this is what's going to happen. Um, this isn't actually coming true. Like, she's not going to have this baby today, and she's decided not to place with us, and this is all just falling apart on the day of. Like, of course it is, because that's just how it felt like my life had been going up until that point. And I remember that afternoon being extremely difficult. And I texted our social worker, and I was like, was this a waste of time? Like, did we waste money on this hotel room up in Calgary, and are we, like, wandering around the mall for no reason? Like, what what are we supposed to do? And she said, I don't know. Like... I can't do anything, so just wait and see what happens. And then right around 4.30, the birth mom finally texted me back, and she's like, oh, hey, I'm sorry, I fell asleep in one of my friend's basements because it was hot, and she had air conditioning, and I just really needed to sleep, and I missed all of your messages, I'm sorry. (laughs) And I was like, oh, (sighs) she got back to me. And uh, I was like, so do you still want to go to the hospital today? And she's like, yep, but I don't have any of my things. So can you go to my house and pick up my things and then meet me at the hospital? And I'm like, okay. So I met her yesterday and now she wants me to go to her house and like get her stuff, (laughs) get her stuff and then meet her at this hospital. Oh, okay, sure. We'll do that. So she lived in a basement suite, so she gave me the address, and we went up there, and I'm like, I really hope she gave us the right address, and nothing got, mm-hmm. like, mixed up in text or whatever, and we're just going to this random basement, Yeah. and we got there, and her roommate was very, very kind, but he looked, like, I don't know, tattoos and shirtless, and he just, he looked scary. Yeah, a little rough. So <laughs> he's like, hey, who are you? And we're like, uh, we're just here to grab like this birth mom stuff for the hospital. He was like, Oh, baby's coming. And we're like, yeah. And he's like, are you guys the parents? And we're like, yeah, we hope so. And he's like, Oh, congratulations. Here's our stuff. Go have a baby. That was weird. (laughs) So then we went down to the hospital and, and waited outside for a little bit and she showed up and we walked in and went straight to labor and delivery. And the nurses are like, what are you doing here? She's like, well, doctor said I can come for my C-section anytime. And the nurse is like, that's that's not a thing. Like, those are scheduled. You don't walk in and just have C-sections. And I'm like, oh, great. Like, this is 
now five o'clock in the evening. <laughs> and uh, hold on one second. I'll be right yeah. back. I just yeah. got to get her her suit. <laughs> Here's a good time to talk about if you ever want to sponsor Sweet and Sassy's podcast. Um, my podcasts are actually called uh, Faith Over Fear. And I feel like Nicole's story is a lot, should be like the title of your story of just having faith and um, yeah, not letting fear get in the way. So if you ever want to sponsor, just message me and um, I can give info about your company on our podcast. Okay, Nicole's back. Here we go. <laughs> Okay, so it's like 5.30 in the evening, and we just showed up at this hospital. I'm like, okay, and this is where it doesn't work out, mm-hmm. of course, because she did not schedule this C-section. She literally just walked in. So the nurse is like, hold on, let me check your charting. So she pulls out her chart, and she looks it up, and, and a couple minutes goes by. I'm not sure exactly what she was doing. She comes back, and she's like, okay, yep, come on back. We'll, we'll get you into labor and delivery here, and we'll get you prepped, and we'll have a C-section team come together and, and we'll have a baby tonight. And who is this with you? And this was right in the middle of like COVID-19 mm. lockdowns and all of that stuff. So very strict hospital rules on who can be there and what for and all of this wonderful stuff. So I was a little bit nervous that we wouldn't even be allowed to be there because yeah. nothing was prearranged or anything like that. She's like, who's this with you? And birth mom said, Oh, this is, this is the baby's mom. Like, She's here to have her baby, and I'm just, I kind of have to be here because she's in my belly. Yeah. <laughs> Which was another really bizarre interact- interaction with birth mom. Like, she's so funny. I love her. Mm-hmm. Um, and the nurse was like, oh, okay, absolutely, come on back. And, and this is, and she said, well, this is baby's dad. She was pointing at Jason. And she's like, well, I'm sorry, he'll have to wait in the waiting room. Um and then that was all the information we were given. So Jason sat down in the waiting room and I went back with her into labor and delivery. And then we sat. Mm. They hooked her up to a fetal monitor and they didn't really give us much other information. We just sat there um, for, uh, let's see, one, two, three, five hours. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you didn't ask any of the nurses, like, what's going on here? Or did you? Um, they would come in and say, like, oh, yeah, like, we're just waiting for the the, the team, the C-section team, the mm-hmm. OR team. Like, it'll be a little while. Don't worry about it. We're getting it together. And I'm like, oh, my goodness. Like, this is taking forever. Mm-hmm. Finally, at about, yeah, 10, 10, quarter after 10, they came in, and they're like, okay, we're good to go. So they got us all dressed in our fancy scrubs and walked us across the hall to the OR, which happened to be, like, right across, like, right in front of the waiting room. So we walked right in front of Jason, and he's like, it's go time? Like, he had just been sitting there. He didn't really have any updates the whole time. I'm like, yep, it's go time. We're going to the OR. Like, I'll see you in a bit. Yeah. (laughs) And he wasn't sure if he was ever going to see our daughter after she was born because no one told us anything. They didn't tell us how many people were allowed or anything like that. So he was waiting in the waiting room, but he wasn't sure um, if he was going to get to see her after she was born or not that night. And then we knew that she was probably going to have a NICU stay, which was part of the complications of the adoption. Um, So he was like, well, I don't, I don't know if I'm going to be able to get to be in the NICU or, or anything. Like it may have just been 
me for that entire time. And so he was sitting in the the waiting room and he was having a really tough night. Um, That was probably the hardest point in the whole process for him was sitting in that waiting room and not knowing what was going on or what was happening or when he would get to see this baby and all of that. Um, anyways, so then we went to the OR and they sat me in this tiny little corner, um, outside of the OR while they waited for her to get all prepped and everything. And I remember sitting there and being like, this is taking a lot longer than I thought. That's kind of weird. And one of the, um, resident doctors came over and he's like, Hey, like, who are you? What's the whole situation? And I explained like, I'm adoptive mom and we just met her yesterday and this is our first baby. And he's like, Oh, that's so exciting. I was like, yeah. And my husband's sitting in the waiting room. Like, do you know if he's going to be able to come and see the baby after baby's born? And he's like, Oh, I'm sure we can work something out. Like, don't worry about it. Well, Mm -hmm. even if the rules won't allow it, like, well, we'll make it happen. Don't worry about it. So that was a a weight off my chest while I sat there and waited. And then finally they called me back into the operating room and um, she was laying on the table all ready to go. And she looked over at me and she's like, I just want you to know that I almost backed out last minute. Mm. And I was like, what? And she's like, yeah, I, I, I almost decided not to have a C-section tonight. Um, but they, they convinced me to go ahead with it. And I was like, well, thank you for not backing out. It's now 11 o'clock at night. It's been the longest day of my life. Mm-hmm. Uh, at like so many points in the day where I was just like, is this where it falls apart? Mm. And at no point did it actually fall apart. It was just God being like, trust me. Mm-hmm. And so I had to keep trusting the whole time. And so we sat there and they put up the curtain and she had a full-blown panic attack. Poor birth mom. She mm-hmm. was terrified of having a C-section and being awake because with her other daughter, it was an emergency C-section. So she was put under it happened and then she woke up and it was done. And that's what she really wanted for this one was to be put completely under and not really be a part of it. But they said, you know, we only do that for emergency situations. It's safer if you're awake. So we're not going to do that. So she had a full blown panic attack during the whole process. And so I was sitting there with my forehead on her forehead, just talking her through it. I wanted to be a little bit more involved with like watching the c-section because mm-hmm. i work in healthcare and i was like that's so cool like i really want to see this but mm-hmm. i couldn't um my job was to sit there and to talk to her and mm-hmm. pray for her and we just had this extreme bonding moment mm-hmm. where yeah she was the day before a total stranger and that day she became like one of my best friends mm-hmm. and it was really cool and then next thing i knew um, she came out and she let out a cry mm-hmm. and birth mom and I let out the same weird, odd cry, <laughs> like <laughs> just relief, okay. like total relief and, mm-hmm. and excite. Like, I don't even know what it all was, but she and I made the exact same sound and the whole OR just started laughing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and then we both started crying and then, uh, the doctor walked around the curtain and she, he said, uh, look over here, mommies. And I was like, that is bizarre. Like it <laughs> felt like we were some sort of like lesbian couple or something. <laughs> but we looked over and there she was and she was perfect. Mm. Absolutely perfect. 
and uh, they took her back and cleaned her up a little bit, and then they handed her to me. And we had about 10 or 15 minutes of just sitting in that OR with this brand new baby, just loving on her and experiencing those first few moments. Mm. And then I went, oh, crap, I should probably take a picture of her and text it to Jason because he's still sitting in the waiting room and he has no idea what's going on. So I did. And he's like, oh, wow, we have a daughter. We have a daughter. Mm. So they stitched up birth mom and then... um, the nurse asked me, she's like, well, baby has to go to uh, the, the NICU. Are you coming with or are you staying here with, with birth mom? And I looked at birth mom and I said, like, what do you want? If you want me to stay here with you because you need me to stay here with you, I will stay here with you. Mm-hmm. And she said, no, Brooklyn needs her mom. Mm-hmm. You need to be with her. And... The, the love that that woman has for Brooklyn just blows me away. And how right from the beginning, she had decided that I was Brooklyn's mom. And she was fine with that. And she, yeah. So I followed the nurse um, with Brooklyn to the, the NICU. And like three minutes later, Jason walked in. The, the resident doctor had gone and gotten him. And, and there we stood as a family of three for the very first time. Um, at like 1130 yeah. at mm-hmm. night. And yeah, I, I don't really remember much else, else what was going on, what they were all doing. It, yeah, they were doing all kinds of tests and procedures and getting her situated in the NICU and whatever. And I don't remember any of that. I just remember standing there as a family of three, just thanking God that here we were finally. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and then we spent six days in the NICU, um, just making sure that she was all okay. And then we finally got to go home and introduce her to our families. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of our story. So amazing. I could, like, feel your emotions. and <laughs> Oh, yeah, such a surreal experience. And even you got a little bit of what it is to be a mama in the hospital and wait forever. I know my deliveries were, I don't even know how long, but I was exhausted too. So you got that realization of like (laughs) the exhaustion of motherhood. Yeah. Um, But that's just so awesome. And it hasn't been the easiest process since then. You've had to finalize a lot of things and there's another part of it, right? Till this, till this moment. Um, But you definitely see how just God just, wanted you to be patient and in his timing, right? Sometimes we want to, not sometimes, usually we want it in our timing, but he has a bigger plan for us, a bigger, better plan. And it's just cool to see. It's cool to watch your journey. And um, yeah, it's awesome. So much to be thankful yeah. for. The, the two things I really learned in the entire, well, three things I would say in the entire process. One was patience right from the infertility journey until the adoption being finalized, patience for sure, trust, Mm -hmm. learning that, you know, I can control what I can control, but really everything's out of my control. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like it doesn't matter what I do or don't do, what's going to happen is going to happen and to just trust God in the process. Mm -hmm. And then faith, my faith grew leaps and bounds. Like, uh, yeah, I don't know. 
God became real to me through the whole process Mm -hmm. and just understanding like the power of prayer Mm -hmm. just uh, and like it wasn't just me praying there were Mm -hmm. there were hundreds of people praying for us throughout Mm -hmm. the whole process and just to to feel the power of that throughout was just amazing Mm -hmm. so so awesome so you're still in the process of finalizing everything right no, everything is finalized and oh, done. I'm literally waiting for the adoption order to come in the mail any day now with the judge's signature on it and her new last name and all of it. So okay, so then I know it's done. It's on the way, and I, I check my mail every day. Yeah. So then are you just waiting for, because you're still doing fundraising for support. Right. Okay. So now on to round two. <laughs> oh, okay. So this is for the next next kiddo. Yes. It's going to be placed. Yeah. So, um... In Alberta, you have to wait uh, one year from placement to reapply. Um, so it's now been a little more than a year. Brooklyn is about 14 months old now. Um, so we are in the process of reapplying because um, the process can take between two and three years generally. Uh, it's not usually in that five-month period. So we don't want a huge age gap between Brooklyn and her sibling, if mm-hmm. possible. So we would like to get on the wait list sooner rather than later and then see see what God's plan is for baby number two. Mm-hmm. And, and then we're done. Yeah. <laughs> a family of two babies. At one point in time, I wanted five. But yeah. with the whole process being as emotionally and financially taxing as it is, two is what we can do. So Yeah. Yeah. So they're fundraising right now. So I will um, tag Nicole when I post this. And you can reach out to her, and if you can support them, I'm sure she would greatly appreciate it. Oh, yes, that would be amazing. We we have had um, quite a bit of support already. It's been incredible how quickly all of that came together. Um, but yeah, we do still have a ways to go. We have about seven thousand dollars left to raise. So yeah, we would very very much appreciate help and support in the raising of that. Awesome. Well, I loved watching your guys' journey and it just gives me chills and excitement for you guys. And it's crazy because she looks not crazy. Obviously, God's plan, like she looks so much like you guys and she just fits <laughs> into your family so well. And oh, just such a blessing. So it's been so good to watch you. Thank you. I, I've um, I've been uh, enjoyed. That's not the word, but like it's been pretty cool to watch other people's faith also grow just by watching our story. I've had lots of comments from people that are just like, like, wow, God is, God is so good. And, mm-hmm. um, whenever I doubt that, I just look at Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah, this happened. Oh. Yep. So amazing. Well, thank you so much, Nicole. I'm sure lots of people will benefit from this and just have that inspiration to keep going, right? Whatever struggle they're going through, yep. if it is adoption with them also, but if it's another struggle to just keep leaning just forward. Trust. Yeah. And just trust. Yeah. So awesome. Well, thank you. You're welcome. Thank you for having me.